Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speak Brave Podcast. This is your host, Mark, and with my friend, John. Today is a special interview, a special episode, because I have my friend in the studio, and I'd like to introduce you to him. I think he's just a man of uh, highest integrity, um, hard worker, and just a very talented individual. So his name is Derek C. Lott. Hey, Derek. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy you could make it. So um, Derek is an author, he's an executive, and he's a speaker. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. So to start things off, Derek, can you tell us what's going on in your life just now? Well, right now I'm really excited because I recently released my book, Say It Well, Mm -hmm. and it is getting off to a good start, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about what it's going to do for those that aspire to be better communicators, not just on a big stage, but in a conversation like this. Maybe you're on a date and you've always been scared of what to talk about. How Maybe I'll say the wrong thing. The book helps. Any form of communication, how you navigate and tailor communications for any given audience. Excellent. So who would be the best uh, suited reader for your mm-hmm. book? Like, Who is that one person that you wrote this book for? The person that always gets a, a little bit afraid of speaking in public. Or that, like my personality, 16 personality types, is INTJ. I prefer to be alone. My natural habitat is in, in a room under a blankie watching a movie. So we can't live that way. And for me, the book really helps people gain confidence and overcome some of their natural tendencies to be a better and a more effective communicator. So anyone that, whether you're a speaker or a person that tends to be more reserved and shy and tend to be uh, reclusive, it really helps them come out of their shell and naturally connect with people. Right. That's great. One of the things I I want to understand and so kind of get a glimpse into your thinking and into your part of your life, what was that pivotal moment that brought you to the decision to write this work? Well, it's it's funny. I was um, really working on my communication skills. And as I was improving, I started mentoring others. I truly believe in sharing what we gain. So I found others that really struggled with their communication skills. And I started seeing a pattern. People really struggle with content. They're like, well, I don't know what to say. I'm not very interesting. I'm going to make a fool of myself, right? And we're all an endless pool of meaningful content. So how do we mine that? And how do we get that content out and bring it to the forefront of our minds? Uh, The other piece of it, how do I get organized? How do I have a logical thought? How do I say something from beginning to end and it makes sense? And then tailoring it for any given communication. I always say if you go to a concert, whenever you're in a concert, that band may have been in 50 other cities. But when they come to your city, let's say Chicago, they say, what's happening in Chicago? Right? They don't go, what's happening in Denver? Because everybody go, Denver? This is Chicago. Right? So they find that way of tailoring their, their, their communication and that set to their audience. Right. Okay. Um, why is this important to you? Like, I want to understand the man behind the mission. Like, what, what, like, what, what, like, what is your goal to get this work, um, this book, in the hands of one million people uh, in the United States, all over the world? 
in in some kind of maybe special special location like i want to understand what drives you like you know you know this right uh how many people in the united states dream and wish and hope that they write the book how many like 89 <laughs> yeah it's a large number it's right. a large number Absolutely. how many actually do it <laughs> What is it, one or two percent? Sure. One or two percent. So you're one of those people, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it takes, I think, something very special for you to get out of bed, right? Get in front of your computer. In, in the meantime, uh, have a relationship, be a husband, a father, that's right. uh, a business owner, or a businessman, right? right? Yeah, that's and right. actually do the work. So Absolutely. what drives you? I want yes. to understand. Well, you know, it's funny. Whenever we go out on our own intention, sometimes we fall short. But when I realized I could really help people and I could add value to their lives, I can't tell you how many people I practiced the principles of, of this book on and they actually came back and said it worked. It was wonderful. And there are tons of people that struggle with communications. And so if I can help those people, I've done my job. So my inspiration is not about, oh, I'm going to become rich on this book. Other people may have that motivation. I did not write this book to be uh, popular, to make a bunch of money. I wrote this book because it helps people. It actually delivers results in those people that have communication challenges. So that's what I want to accomplish. If it's millions of people around the world that need help with their communication skills, I want them to grab this book because it will make a difference. All right. Um, one of my favorite quotes actually comes from Stephen King. Mm -hmm. And he said, writing is refined it's where you take your thinking processes and you refine them. You become better. So yeah. as an author, what have you learned about yourself? Well, once you become an author, your ability to accomplish things go up. Right? Everybody thinks about writing a book. Yeah. But the reality, writing a book requires you to do one thing. Write. And writing isn't easy. It's refined thinking. You have to get your thoughts to collect it, and you have to spend time with them, and then you have to write them out, then you have to edit them. And that takes time, and it takes patience. But when you know you're helping someone, and you know at the end of that work you're going to make a difference, that's a powerful powerful concept for me it changed everything and so as I got some revelation from some mentors on how I could approach writing a book mm -hmm. and that made it very easy for me to do the facilitation of writing it the two came together and it was, it was like magic all right so who are your mentors mm -hmm. and what um, what specifically did you ask them and is there any stories that stand out Sure, absolutely. I uh, have mentors across my life. So I always tell people, if you are thinking about mentors, don't think about one. I like to think about a, like a board of directors, right? So I have people that I mentor in different areas, in my finances, uh, spiritually. If it's something professionally, I have different mentors because people have different areas of expertise. In this area, I, it was a gentleman by the name of Fred Haley. I asked him, I said, you've written several books. How do you do that? And he says, hey, all you need to do is as you're talking about different topics, make them work together for you. And when he gave that, it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh, instead of aimlessly going or the pursuit of things, make leverage them. 
if I'm going to be speaking at several events or several different things, tie them together and then your thoughts and your thinking begin to really become a, a, a trust of information that you can use as fuel for writing your book. And that got me off and running. It took me, uh, I had been thinking about writing a book for five years. When I got this tidbit, the next year I was done with the book. Okay, so it's a strategy, right? Yeah, it's a strategy. It's a, strategy a good way to say it. Yeah. That, that works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think strategy, a lot of people miss uh, that big part of success is a lot of things. Resilience, um, mm-hmm. asking for help, having yeah. good ideas, helping people. But it's also about strategy, right? Yeah, absolutely, One absolutely. Of, yeah, it, and you uh, talk about strategy, but you also talk about strategies and goal setting isn't mm-hmm. that isn't that absolutely one of your strengths absolutely can you talk about why it's important yeah. to you and what have you uh done with it yeah i think there's to your point about strategy is that there's a system you have to create your own system for success and everybody's different so i like the input that i get from mentors that helps me get valuable information but then i have to figure out what's my strategy how do i digest that and i don't take everything i take what i think is relevant for me and then i leave some other things away but that all fuels this kind of idea of okay i've got a strategy how do i execute this strategy as fast as possible and that's where goals come in and if you go to my instagram site you'll see i'm always talking about goals yesterday i posted we're 19 percent through the year 19 is already in the books. Are you on the right track for your goals this year, right? I'll go into my uh, doctor's office and I say, hey, 19% of the year is gone. It's a funny way to open up a conversation, but it sticks with them. They're like, you know, yeah, I was supposed to go on a family vacation. This is going to slip away from me. So I start really helping people understand that time isn't really your friend, right? You can make time work for you. It can make it work against you. So goal setting allows you to put things on a track and then measure against it, right? So I'm a firm believer that you need a strategy. You need goals and you need to measure and monitor. And you need to have those mentors to keep you accountable. And it's that whole kind of system. Maybe it's a system of, ex- of success, maybe. Right. Uh, let me switch gears just for sure. a little bit. Derek, let me ask you. Hmm? What would you say is your biggest failure so far? Biggest failure? That's a great question. I, my mind always goes back to um, graduating from high school. So I graduated from high school, and I had a, a scholarship to go study at the Berkeley School of Music. I played trumpet in, in high school. And uh, I also had a full scholarship to an HBCU. And um, What's that? Uh, historically black uh, college or university. Okay. And when I got those scholarships, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this HBCU scholarship. It was a full ride. Uh, that would really help me from an economic standpoint. My family didn't have a lot of money for me to go to college. And so I had kind of made that decision. And then someone came along, someone very close to me came along and said, hey, Jack, I don't really see that for you. And, you know, I, 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 I really thought about what they say. You know, what they said was important to me. And then it, it influenced me. I, I started thinking about it. Well, okay, well, maybe, well, okay, maybe not, okay. And then I had someone even closer to me come by. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't study music. You'll be broke. You'll never make any money doing that. No, you need to rethink that. So if after the first person I had like a cold, I had the flu after the second person, right? And I totally changed everything. I went to a business school and studied accounting and economics. And I looked back several years later and it felt like I had made the worst decision of my life 
Now, I believe there's always redemption, and there's always, God works with every decision that we make to take us on course. I'm happy, I'm fulfilled, but I let someone else have that much influence over a major decision that I made in my life, and I vowed I would never let that happen again. People have great intentions, but their own personal hardships, failures, and failings, and insecurities cannot be your reality. And I allowed that to happen to me. And in thinking back over it, I, I really loved music. And I allowed someone to talk me out of, let's call it a dream at the time. Mm. What a powerful story. Yeah. I mean, this is just a powerful story. Um, as we dig deeper into that, why do you think that happens? Because if this is your story, Derek, it means it's other people's stories as well, yeah, right? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's because we are we have some universal themes in our experience. Mm-hmm. I believe we you know travel our path or journey, but absolutely. there's so much similarities. Why do you think we allow others to influence us so much? Absolutely. Um, what what do you think some of the reasons that ha- happen so often? Yeah. Which, well, I I attribute it to one very important. Um, issue that was relevant in my life, right? I grew up in a single parent home with my mom. And one thing I always tell young men is that your reflection isn't in the mirror. Your reflection is in the eyes of another man. And when there is no man for you to have a reflection in, you don't know. You have no direction. You have no way to know how to live as a man. And a man has to make his own decisions. A man has to stand on his own two feet. A man has to look at his life and make decisions and drive, right? So I didn't have that. What I had was me, myself, and I. And so I I loved everything about my life, but I didn't have that strong uh, male father figure in my life that would show me that, hey, you know what? It's It's great to hear from other people, but what's your what do you want what are you going to go after in life and i didn't see that i always think about the movie the lion king and there's that scene where he he's like gone out akuna matata with the right but then he's like got to go back home to be king and he's looking in the pond right and he says oh there's nothing there and they say look again and his father's face shows up and at that moment he realizes who he is a man's reflection is in the eyes of a father and without that father figure, it is it is very difficult to know how to navigate. Oh, wow, Derek, this is so powerful. I'm so I'm yeah. so grateful that you shared yeah. this with us yeah. uh, because this podcast reaches people all over the world, all yeah. over the world. It reaches people in different families and different stages yeah. of life. So, what are the, some of the takeaways that? Okay, so you know this is what have happened, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of know this is why it happened. You kind of like step back. So now you have a choice. You're a man, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a successful, yeah. a successful man. What do you do now to make sure that you create a better reality or better choices Absolutely. for Absolutely. others? Like what, what steps do Absolutely. you take? Do well, the most important thing is to recognize that, right? So mm-hmm. just as I said, you know, I realized I needed to see a reflection of a man. And so I began to look for men that 
show would show me something. They didn't have to necessarily get close. I I always call it emulate, emulating, right, success. So I would look for people. I would say, he seems like a successful man. I would just watch him. I'd watch him with his family. I'd watch him go to work or whatever. And there were several of these men that I saw that were just amazing men. And I, they ne I never went up to, to them or introduced myself. I mean, we can always see and learn from watching from afar. And I saw some of these men. I said, okay, a man goes to work every day. A man takes care of his children. A man doesn't abuse his family, his, his wife and kids. He takes care of them. He cherishes them. He treats his wife like a queen. He treats his children like princes and princesses. And I was like, okay, that's my reflection. And that began to be my basis for how I grew up. I remember being in college. And after three years in college, I was, it was late in the evening, and I was looking at the moon, walking home from kind of a, you know, wayward evening. <laughs> but the, something came, to some level of clarity came to me that the, what, what I was doing was not what I was supposed to be doing. And I, I, that, that, into that semester, I ended everything. I left college, I went back home, I stayed with my grandparents, and I began to work on this whole concept of where am I going to get my reflection from? And I began to look for those men, and I began to look for those examples. And over the course of the next few years, I, I landed a pretty successful career, and uh, I've never looked back since. It's, it's been an amazing journey. Would you like to talk about what you do? Sure, what you sure. Have done? So for the past 30 years, I've, I've been an executive uh, in technology and most recently in uh, marketing. And I'm a negotiator. I'm a professional contract negotiator. I negotiate contracts for a living. And um, I find a lot of uh, value outside of my work. Mm -hmm. I always tell people everything's negotiable. Everything's negotiable. <laughs> What does that mean? Everything's negotiable. Everything okay. negotiable. Okay. So I, I give you an example. I go to a, a, a new place for the first time. Let's say I pull into a new city. I go in and I get an oil change, right? I always ask for a discount. I say, hey, do you have the first timers discount? And they'll look at me like, first timers discount? I'm like, yeah, you got to have a first timer, new customer discount. He's right, right. like, no, we don't have anything. Sure you do. Go check. Go ask your manager. And then they'll come back, they're like, well, you know, we don't have a new customer discount, but we can give you something, right? You, no matter what you do, always ask for value. I go into a grocery store. I say, do I have any coupons I need to be using? Is there something in the paper I'm not taking advantage of? And the people in the line will look at me like, uh-oh, this is going to be, I'm going to be standing here as this guy tries to be Captain Coupon. And uh, literally, they will give you something. Literally. And so I always say everything is negotiable. Even when you're negotiating a car, I tell people, they say, oh, I've, I've, I know how to negotiate price. I say, well, do you get free car washes for a year? Do you get free auto checkups? If you're going to spend that much money on a car, don't just think about the car. Get other value. As you're leaving, ask for free movie tickets. Right? You're so distressed from buying the car, you need to relax. Give me a couple movie tickets. I don't know. Whatever. Give me a toaster oven. <laughs> Whatever it might be, always ask for value because you only get what you ask for. You don't get what you don't ask for. But if you ask, there's a, there's a probability that you just might get some value, and that value is priceless. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, let's just ask around uh, this question of sure. negotiation. So in your career, 
could be personal, could be interpersonal, could be in business. What's some of the most interesting um, negotiation outcomes that you have arrived? Well, so being a professional negotiator, I negotiate everything, even with my family. So my biggest negotiations have been with my children. Right. So I don't give anything to my kids. I negotiate. Okay. So I'll get a call from one of my kids, Dad, I need some help. Can you give me some money? I say, well, if I give you some money, what are you going to give me? <laughs> what do I get? What do I get if you get that? How are your grades looking? Right. Are you doing your studies? Are you studying at night? Are you giving me value for the value I'm exchanging with you? And then they'll be quiet. And then they'll start thinking, well, I studied for two hours yesterday, and I did this, and I went to the tutor, and I went this. I said, I like that. I'm willing to invest in you. So it's no longer about me giving them something. It's about trading and exchanging satisfaction. I have some wonderful kids. Was I perfect? No. But my kids, they're thinking kids. When we, when we grew up, I negotiated with my wife around discipline. So she was like, okay, we got to discipline the kids. I said, okay, all I want to say is I want kids that are committed, not compliant. I want com kids that are thinking. I don't want kids that are... Uh, trying to please me to keep my mouth shut. I don't want to force them to do yard work. I want them to see me doing yard work and say, there's my dad working on the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help him keep the kingdom up. Right. And they come out because they're committed. They're committed to what we're doing and what we're building. That's the greatest negotiation a parent can have with their children. So people say, you negotiate with your kids, I just tell them what to do. And I said, that's great. I live that life. And I hated it. And when I got away from my family, I didn't do any cleaning. I didn't do anything. I lived like a pig because I didn't want to do that stuff because now I was free. Right. And see, freedom is what we're after. So when you cage your kids under your, you know, I'm a parent and you do what I say, they know control. They know how control feels and they don't like it. Yeah. But when they're committed to family and to the kingdom, it's powerful. Powerful. Wow. Uh, Derek, you're just such a uh, wealth of interesting, interesting um, practical information. So how people, um, how would you like people to engage with you? Because you have shared some powerful, powerful information. You have the book. Where can people find you sure. to make sure that they connect with you and Absolutely. work with you? Like so DerekCLot.com. Derek is D-E-R-E-K-C-Lot, L-O-T-T, dot com. If you go there, that's my website, and you, there's a place where you, we can introduce ourselves. You can send me some, uh, an email. You'll get added to my email list where I send a lot of free materials similar to some of these nuggets that I'm sharing. I have tools and templates that I share with people around goal setting. So that's one place. You can also follow me at Instagram at Derek C. Lott or on Facebook under the same uh, moniker. So, uh, yes, pretty easy to find. Excellent. Um, Derek. What is the next big thing for you? So the next thing, so I've been talking about this reflection thing, right, right? Right, right? So people talk about social media and they always say social media is, you know, it, it's like it's ruining lives. People are comparing themselves to other people and, and so forth. I use it as a reflection. So I look at what I've posted on, on social media and I say, is that me? Is that what I want to reflect to the world? And then I, if I say yes, then great, I'm doing the things that I want. And in my social media, what I basically have is a series of ideas that lead up to an epic event. 
And the first epic event was Say It Well, was this book. The next epic event is my next book called Evolve, which is really my opus. It's all about personal and professional development. It takes me uh, takes any reader through the process to being a new year, new you over the process of about a year. Evolve. Evolve. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. And I do want to say to everyone who's listening, I have shared an opportunity to speak on the stage with Derek mm -hmm. in 2018, twice on a big yeah. stage at uh, the um, Schultz Center mm -hmm. in Jacksonville, Absolutely. Florida. It was a congress. A symposium of speakers from many different walks of life and was honored to share a stage with you and other excellent speakers and thought leaders and I look forward to do it again maybe yeah, it's fun venue. a lot, of fun. A lot um, of fun so Derek thank you so much for coming to the Absolutely. show and thank you so much for being um, a guest and sharing so freely I would love for you to come back and maybe talk about evolve uh, as, as it comes comes together Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Uh, don't forget to check out our Speak Brave website. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, share, and like. And I'll see you next time. Don't forget to speak brave.